Welcome to a special bonus feature of Nutria Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. In just the first month of hosting this podcast, I noticed that when the interview was over, often my guests and I would just keep talking for a while, and, well, sometimes there's some really good stuff in those conversations. So I started recording the post-interview conversations as well, and when I think it's worth sharing, I'm going to edit and upload those too. So here's your first ever bonus extra, featuring the extraordinary Suzanne Adams and the conversation that we had after her interview. And we're out. That's it. <laughs> oh boy, that was fun. Yes, I, I this, and even when there's stuff I don't like, I can tell there's a couple things in my head. Like for example, I don't know if you remember this. The very first thing that you got to cast me in, you cast it, it was. You remember David Falk's The Pot Man Spoke Sooth, which is that wonderfully silly one act comedy, and you cast me as Colonel Winthrop Wiggins and the wonderfully hilarious Laura Hirschtritt as my wife, and it was just so beautiful at being straight. Things like that, I, I didn't, but I didn't get to mention, but just so much fun and of course at that time underclassmen were like anytime underclassmen got to work with mrs adams ooh, that was like extras because you know because you were you were reserved for the seniors we didn't you didn't get to you didn't get to just talk to mrs adams you had to wait you know so i i have I had no perception of that <laughs> it we oh there was just that there was it was this absolute sort of you know there was this sort of aura around you may have been five foot one but you were 12 feet tall uh to everybody who walked in the room so anyway Dwayne, <laughs> i i hope that you will be able to use that section of what you said at the end because that is I was just looking over some things that I wrote during the time I was teaching. And it isn't theater for theater. Theater is the one place where the country has enough actors. You know, we don't, we, this is probably the single product of which we don't really need more. Need more. But, <laughs> right. No, but <laughs> theater is a metaphor for living. That's what's important about it. Well, and that's the coolest part is that, yeah, it, it I, and I didn't know. When I you know when I was in Nutria Theater, that was something I was really focused on and, and thinking that I wanted to make as a career. But then to to the point at the end there, where I was talking about theater is not a meritocracy. I one of the things that was incredibly valuable to me in my life as an eighteen year old was when I realized that I was like, yeah, theater is not a meritocracy. I kind of like meritocracy. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this is a, it's kind of like Audu Payton in, in my interview with Audu. He goes he, he went down to uh, Chicago to do a Kleenex commercial audition. And he was in line for like 4 hours to blow his nose, right? <laughs> and it was some point in that process he goes, "You know what? I'm on the wrong side of the camera here. There's something there's something up here." How did you realize it? I I realized that because I I'll tell you why. It was the way that you cast Cyrano, senior year. The way that you cast it was you you did, and I understood it, even when I didn't necessarily like it. You did what was right for the show, consistently. You did what was right. You did you you honored what was best for it, and not who deserved anything. There was no nobody deserves. I see. It's are you the right person? Are you the right right place? Is it you know? Are you, 
it was all it was all about what was right and not necessarily about what you know uh, a pecking order or a hierarchy and boy i'll tell you what that was something that you would think that by that time i had processed into something that i had been able been able to articulate but that was the moment that i articulated that lesson and i was like wait a minute this is an important thing for me to know about myself that i didn't really know and kind of went oh well that's that's an important lesson Hey, listeners, I'm going to go ahead and interrupt myself and my own bonus extra feature here because I'm about to tell Mrs. Adams a story about Shakespeare. And it's a story that I'm going to be telling on this podcast in a couple of weeks. And I don't want to spoil it. So we're going to skip ahead to the end of that story now. <laughs> and there's still, and, and people are still giggling at the end. There's just, it never ends. We never get it back. But it is absolutely the funniest moment of, of my life. And so we I relate to what you're saying because uh, the spring play my senior year was Twelfth Night and I was Viola. Oh, and, hey, yeah. <laughs> and we began under Mr. Lehman's direction with the scene before the scene that is the shipwreck. All right. The shipwreck was in the cafeteria where we went through the whole, you know, struggling for air and looking for a piece of timber and seeing Sebastian, who has found, the, as you probably remember, found a piece of timber, floated away with it. And, right. Uh, so I came on stage. I was not dripping wet. I was, in rehearsal, I had gotten wet, but not in performance because, uh, you know, couldn't do that. But I know exactly what you mean. Oh, that is crazy. <laughs> Oh my God! Wow! And the boy, the boy, incidentally, who came to acting class and told about our romance in high high school and at Nutria Plays, played Orsino in that production. Wow! So, so I'm with him. In other words. Oh, so you actually, so and, and so you were actually dating Orsino as yes, well. Yes. Which oh, is why wow! Mr. Layman directed us that way because ah. I. Uh, sometime I will send you the exercise that he gave me to this is a great example of uh, how to direct an actor oh my gosh he felt that because I'd had a lot of dance training I moved too much like a dancer I, I needed to move like a human being and interesting so yeah. he devised this exercise for me it was shortly after he had told me that he loved me and he asked me to come alone to the theater after school. Do you have time for this? Oh, I got nothing but time for you, ma'am. You, you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, so come to the theater and nobody was there. I had told Tom, my boyfriend, that I was doing this. So Tom waited outside the theater in case. I didn't know in case of what. Well done, Tom. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I went in and he... Even then, we had very elaborate, very professional lighting system. So he, the theater was all dark, except, and there was just one little hard spotlight. And he had me crouched down in that spotlight. And, and he directed me from the wings, from the darkness, from the light board, to go from a small, mean thing, constrained in this circle, and then suddenly realizing the need for more space, pushing out the circle and pushing it out more and more 
until I had almost the whole stage to move in. And I could dance, I could leap, I can whirl, but I was still in a circle. And unless I became a flying thing, I couldn't escape it. So I had to become a flying thing and leapt out of it, out of the circle, at which point it contracted to a small circle again, about six feet in diameter. Then I had all the stage to myself, except for that circle. And I came closer to the circle and it was loathsome. It was something horrible. It, it, it repelled me. I did not want to have anything to do with it. I had all this other space, but not the circle. But I would never be free, not really free, until I went into that circle. And I could not dance it, no dance feet. I had to walk as a human being with all my meat, flesh, and humanity. Wow. And simply. And so when I pulled myself together enough to walk into that circle, suddenly the whole stage was flooded, flooded with light, with brilliant light and gold Fresnels and Lycos doing everything they had, and I was free. Wow. That is so cool. It is so cool. But it also was an initiation. Yeah. What was that loathsome thing? <laughs> yeah. Every every story I hear, everything, everything I've learned about you today, but every story I hear just makes me feel that much more fortunate to have had this experience. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. Me too. And you, you really, you have given this to me. It has been 30 years. And I am so grateful to you for waking this all up again, because every aspect of my life, I have done with all the energy and power I had, you know, I just did the next thing. And I, I didn't look back. So looking back, I, I now have regained that time and i'm grateful to you for giving it back to me well thank you so much and, and it, it's it is it is a, it's it is really special and it's important and i it's it's my again it's my way of being able to say you know i love you to every part of my life and to and to all of this incredible stuff and just uh to uh, to make sure that i am appreciating what we had and and I don't know if that's because I feel like I un, I don't necessarily think I underappreciated at the time, but I don't think that you're capable of recognizing in each moment. I don't think anyone is capable of recognizing without the gift of perspective how special certain things can be in your life until you have the opportunity to to see it in a broader scope. So remember Emily in our town. Yes. Does every human being ever realize life every every minute? Every minute. Yeah. Saints and poets, maybe they do some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it was there a reason, by the way, that we did our town so it was that was that was that a reason that our town was so frequently returned to as material at Nutrier? Was that because of the ideas that were in there? Was there a specific thought there or was that well, I directed it as a play because there was some sort of crisis with the gills that they weren't going to be able to do much of a set. So we needed something that was, I mean, that was a compromise. Wow. I, I was not thrilled that it was going to be our town because I did use it in class so much. Yeah, that's what the, it, because it felt true. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. You use it in class because it had that, had that truism to it. There were certain things that were, that were 
clearly there. And oh. so anyway, I'm cool. Right. So life is complex, isn't it, Dwayne? It's, you know, I have, I, I, I have lived in interesting times. And incidentally, by the way, that phrase, which is supposed to be a Chinese curse, I had to research this when I was writing another one of the nonfiction books that I wrote. It is not. It is actually, it originates in the 19th century. There was an English writer who who wrote it, and it uh, somehow eventually gets sort of perverted and turned, and people think it's an ancient Chinese curse, and it is not. It's just, it was, this guy just made it up. I thought that. Thank you. So, and, but for years I thought it was. And so I used to tell people when I would, you know, be teaching uh, classes in the Navy or whatever, I would say, which is proof that I have seriously pissed off a Chinese person in a previous life because (laughs) yeah, that's the, it it does seem as though I, uh, I had the opportunity early in life to be the person who everything was fine right up to the moment where I said, I relieve you, sir. And then it was okay for hell on earth to just break out, but it's super cool now because it's it, it was harrowing at the time in, in many ways, but it's also kind of hilarious now. Okay, podcast listeners, I'm going to interrupt myself again here because I'm about to tell Mrs. Adams yet another story, and this one's quite a bit longer. It's a good story. In fact, in the middle of it, I stopped for a moment, and Mrs. Adams said, What happened? You have to do the end of that story. So I did. If you want to hear the story, then you can zip over to Amazon.com and buy one of my books. The book in question is called I Relieve You, Sir. The Life and Times of Lieutenant Shit Always Happens on His Watch Burghardt. It's just $5.99 in paperback and only $2.99 in ebook format. And the story you're missing right now is the first story in that book. Let's rejoin the conversation now. And so I have these, I've, I've had these opportunities in, in life. My wonderful, wonderful wife says that I, I must have at a spiritual level before existence, I must have paid for the extras package <laughs> that everything that I've, everything that I go through and everything that I've been through, I probably paid extra for it makes. And that makes total sense to me. I'm, I'm with her on that. That's, that is what I've done. I have paid for the extras package whether I want it or not now. And, and that is, is what I'm, I'm getting. So. Do you consider writing the movie? Yeah. I, I, I've, I've thought about, you know, I, I love that story and several others are in a book that's called, I relieve you, sir. The life and times of Lieutenant shit always happens on his watch. Burghard, which was, <laughs> which I swear to God was actually my nickname. Um, as I went to, it, it literally followed me. Is it on Amazon? I'll send you a, a, a link to it. If you want to see it anyway, it's one of several stories there that's that's on that. And I and yeah, I mean it, it there are definitely vignettes that I think I could write into like a movie, but I, I don't know. I would I need when I write, and I don't know how other people's creative processes are, I have to have the time that being a financial advisor doesn't always allow me, which is I have to get into my characters and into that space. And then I can proceed with them. Like when I wrote Gopto, um, it was because Mara said to me, uh, we were at dinner one night and and we were cleaning up, doing the dishes. And she said, I was telling her, because I had this story in my head for years and I tell her things about it. And she stops, she turns off the water and she says, I need you to do something. And God is my witness. I thought she was going to say, I'm tired of washing. You're drying. We're switching. And I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll do washing now. And I said, yeah, she said, I need you to shut up. So I need you to go to your office right now. And I need you to write this 
get down. This is way too good. You're too good. This is too, there's too, this is too much better than what's out there. You have to do this. And she knows what a put up or shut up person I am. And so I'm like, okay. And that was what inspired me to do it. And I'm one of those people who I know my characters very, very well, but I don't necessarily know what they say. And so when I write, I create the scene in my head. I've got, I'm a very good set designer in my head and I know what the people are wearing and what it looks like and what time of day it is and what the furniture looks like, all of that stuff. And then I put the characters in the room and I know the basic situation and I go, okay, talk, do what you do. And I write down what they say. And that's Mm -hmm. how I feel like I write. Mm -hmm. And so I need when I write to be in that sort of headspace where I can do that. And I wish I had more time to do that. And I I know I, if I'm lucky enough to keep you know breathing, I'm hoping that eventually I do. But right now, nonfiction's a lot easier to write because I can come come you know back and forth to it very quickly and easily, and it's it's just simpler. Like Ada, for example, I shared the first couple of chapters with you. I know exactly where that book is going, but there's a lot of the specifics of the actual dialogue and things that I don't know yet because I haven't been able to put the characters in those spots and say okay, what happens next? You tell me, what do you say now? I'll, I'll type, you talk. And yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. It's the th- same thing as theater, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, and it, and it is yet another way that I use what I got while I was at Nutrier. And it's, it's interesting, I fought so hard to get to Nutrier for reasons that as a 13 year old, I don't, I did not really understand. I grew up in, in Glenview and even at Pleasant Ridge Elementary School, I knew of Nutrier and I, and there was some deep dark, some part of me that I do not know. It's kind of like the experience of, of meeting my wife. A part of me that I didn't know knew something about me that I didn't. And that is that part of me, even at that very young age knew Nutrier is where you need to go. That's your place. You have to do whatever it takes to get there. But in, in, in all of those, and for the 50th time, again, I get to use the skills that I, that I developed at each of these stages in my life. And it's, it is almost, it's funny because as a former, as, a, as somebody who was a lay minister for five years and is now a confirmed agnostic, I have mm-hmm. trouble with the idea that there's a divine order or, you know, control of things. And yet, there, <laughs> you know, there are definitely moments in my life where it seems like if that's not what's going on, it seems awfully coincidental. And I have to accept that. And I just do. And I, I just, I, I, all I, I try to just be grateful. So and that's, that's where it is. But, oh, what a wonderful story. So, well, these are all wonderful stories. And I want to get everybody to tell, I, I want to tell mine, but I want everybody to tell theirs. And I learned so much about you today that I didn't know that is just so freaking cool. I'm, <laughs> I, I can't wait for people to hear this and I can't wait to hear other stories. So I hope you will come back and, and do it again sometime and we'll, we'll find other things to, to talk about. And if you need any so. fixes, you know, or any plugins, why I still live here. I will, I will be right to you. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Love you. I love you too. Bye-bye. Nutrier Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, 
And because it is holiday appropriate today, ho ho hopefully well edited by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at nutrierpadstories.com. And please join us next week at our regularly scheduled time. That would be Thursday, December 29th, for a special WNTH edition of the show, when we will be joined by Nutrier's first female rock jock, Christine Polidorus-Webster. Thanks for listening. See you next time.